All right, well, we know that uh, this time of the year, right, this is the uh, end of October, getting up to, I love uh, the end of October, um, but uh, the one thing that I really, you know, really don't uh, care for, and of course, the holiday that's coming, that is upon us, and has been upon us since like August, and that is Halloween, and uh, you know, th- some of the things that I realize is that um, uh, this, I mean, it's no other holiday season that, you know, a holiday that we celebrate uh, death and like murder, right, and, and, and witches and evil spirits and zombies coming out of somebody's front yard and, oh, by the way, candy. Yeah, we got to throw candy in there. Candy kind of makes it a little better. You know, it's just that holiday that, uh, you know, wow, this is, uh, everybody really gets excited about blood and guts and, and murder and, and evil spirits and stuff and, uh, and then we got to throw in the candy. Makes it so much more sweeter, doesn't it, you know? Uh, really don't like Halloween, so I'm not going to speak high of it. Uh, just one of the those things, uh, I kind of just get through it, and a good thing I like hunting because then I, you know, have a, an excuse not to, uh, you know, be out there. You know, there's a couple things about Halloween that really scares me, actually. It really kind of scares me. Uh, two things, really. Uh, number one, I think I get kind of scared at uh, how ridiculous human beings can act around this time of the year. You know, coworkers like, wow, okay, over the top, right? And then the second thing that actually kind of scares me about Halloween is that uh, there's Christians that celebrate it. So that kind of is a little scary to me. But, uh, but I have to give in a personal testimony, be a little transparent today, that I actually did try to celebrate Halloween one time uh, in elementary school. Um, of course, we, we didn't celebrate Halloween in our house. And so, you know, we didn't do the whole, you know, whatever. And so going to school, you know, I, I went to school that day, and um, everybody had a costume on, and we were going to do this big parade around the school, and I'm the only one that didn't have a costume, and I was just like, oh. so I caved in, you know, to the pressure. I caved in, you know, got intimidated. I was like, all right, I'll make my own. So my teacher gave me a piece of construction paper, and I was just like making my own, you know, costume and stuff, and so I, you know, make a mask. That's what I was going to do. At least I could make a mask, right? So I made a mask, put a little rubber band in it, and that was my you know mask and everything and I made a devil face of all things right I mean you think for me more appropriate would be a clown face and then all my friends would be like oh that yeah that's that's you but I made a devil face a pastor's kid making a devil face right so I'm like okay so I cut these little holes out where I could see you know I was going in this little hole from my mouth and one of the things I didn't account for is that when you breathe through paper like that it gets really wet right and the moisture and everything and so the moisture was getting around my mouth and it turned red right dark red because it was red paper and it looked like blood and all my friends were like wow dude that's gross like you went to a whole nother level. So it really freaked me out. I got scared of my, my own mask and, and costume and never did it again. So, you know, I, I, I will say that, you know, I did participate or try to uh, one time. And so it was just kind of ridiculous and uh, for me. But uh, anyway, so those are a couple things that scare me about Halloween. But Today I thought it'd be appropriate and something that I felt like the Lord was just kind of speaking, uh, you know, a few years ago, whatever. And I just want to talk this morning about don't open the door to the devil right? <laughs> and everybody's like, ooh, Halloween, yeah. And uh, yeah, well, I'm not going to talk about it Easter time. Uh, but uh, in James chapter 4, let's start there, James chapter 4, verse 6. Let's turn there, let's read, and we'll pray. And hopefully I lost some of the Christians on the devil face story, but uh, we'll see. All right, so in James chapter 4, verse 6, um, James actually, in this particular chapter, begins to address Christians in the church there, and how that they kind of really got off track and, and really began to, um, uh, you know, look with their prayer and their, their spirituality and, and their relationships. They just kind of opened the door to the enemy and really kind of subtly, um, even in their prayer. And, and James had to really bring some correction there and, and kind of just really show them the way. And, and uh, so he begins to talk to them a little bit and address this. And so in verse 6 of James 4... Uh, he talks about the Lord and how that, you know, um, the Lord is, is uh, be humble in prayer and be humble in our lives. And he says this in verse 6, but God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God opposes the proud or stiff arms the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for today and just opportunity to come together as the church and worship together, encourage each other, and just see each other uh, this, this week. And, and uh, Lord, we're, we're coming from so many different things and, and uh, situations and, and uh, things happening. But I pray that, Lord, we would encourage one another in the faith. Amen. And secondly, Lord, I pray that what happens when we get together, we, we get into your word and we begin to examine the word of God and what the word of the Lord says. And I pray today, Lord, as I do that, and as we get into the word, I'm asking that the word gets into us because it's medicine and it's health and life and, and Lord, it changes us. And so I'm asking, Lord, today that you use your, the preaching of your word today to change our hearts, that we can draw close to you a little bit more than we were when we walked in today. I pray that you would really stir our hearts, that we wouldn't open the door to the devil, but we would stay open to the Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we see in James chapter 4, the focus here is, as he's reading it, and you can read the rest if you want, but the focus is, is the danger of pride and the power of humility. So he talks about the danger of pride and the power of humility. Then he also addresses submitting to God and resisting the devil, right? And so that's the focus here. And, and, and so I want to encourage you today and, and talk to you a little bit about don't open the door to the devil, but stay open to the Lord. And I, I don't know if there's anything more impactful in our lives as people, as human beings, and as Christians, more purposeful, more uh, revolutionary in our lives, changing, I mean, absolutely impactful than opening up to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's absolutely, there's just nothing like it in the world. It, it's so amazing when we open our hearts to the Lord, when we open ourselves up to God. But equally, it's, it's destructive and damaging and uh, really life-changing in a negative way when we open our uh, heart or our lives up to the devil or open the door for the devil to come in into our lives or into our family. And, and I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about, but as we preach a little bit, I'm sure you will. Amen. So don't open the door to the devil today. Amen, right? Everybody's like, wow, this sounds like a, like a lesson that needs to be taught in Sunday school. All right. Amen. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's, you feel like it's very basic and very elementary uh, for you to hear this, but I think it's very important for us as Christians to rehearse some of the things that the scripture says. Does anybody agree with that, right? So we're not going to open the door to the devil. We're going to stay open to God. But let me just say this real quick, that when you open up to something or someone, you accept them or accept what they have to offer. You receive something. You become willing. You give permission to. You bend your will to that thing or that person. Uh, you submit to them. That's why it says submit to God. Submit to them. You turn over to them or your mind, your thinking, your thoughts, your ideas, your feelings uh, became, uh, become uh, submitted to that thing or that person. You turn yourself over to that and give yourself to that. And more kind of more relevant terms or words would be to become a vessel, a channel, or some type of portal. Now, I know that sounds really spiritual, but that's the way it is, and that's exactly what that means. You become a vessel or a channel, amen, that you become under, and even come to the place where you're under influence of somebody or something uh, when you open yourself up to something or someone, and you open the door to something. You intentionally open the door. Now, what have I noticed is that uh, most of us um, in the past of our lives, we can say that we've opened the door, and we do. We make those choices, and we open the door intentionally, but how many know there's some of us here that uh, the door was opened for you by somebody else, especially when you were a child? I believe that today there's way too many things available to children that should not be available to children. Does anybody agree with that? Way too much. Their kids exposed to way too much. Children should not have to learn and hear some of the things that they're hearing at the age that they're hearing it. Does anybody agree with that, right? And some of you are here and something happened in your life that somebody else opened up a door in your life. Maybe you grew up in a home that was very uh, weird spiritually or strange or it was in the occult or new age and and you just opened up, you know, your heart was kind of open to that and you, life was opened up. Maybe there was abuse and there was uh, whatever kind of abuse there was. There was a, something that you're, you're at a young age you were opened up to. So sometimes it's the choices we make and other times it's what somebody else has done or provided for us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? And so how many know that no matter what, whether you made that choice or whether somebody else did that or, or did that in your life, how many know Jesus Christ heals 
heals us of all scars and diseases and sickness and come on, every, every kind of damage and brokenness. The Lord heals us. Everybody believe it? How many are, that's your living testimony. I mean, God delivered me. He set me free. Amen. Whether the choices I made or what other people did to me when I was a kid. Think about it. And that's how loving God is and how good God is. But one of the things I just want to address right off the bat is when we talk about resist the devil and he will flee. Oh, we, we got it about submitting to God. I love that part. But then we get into this resist the devil and he'll flee. All right, let's skip over that. But one of the things I want to just address right off the bat is it's not a joke. All right, I think there's a lot of people think it's a joke. It's not a joke. Listen, if the Lord has brought you out of the occult, Satanism, or witchcraft, or New Age, or anything like that, you know what I'm talking about. How many know it's real? Anybody? It's not a joke. It's real. And so, you know, I have to say that and throw that out. Uh, one of the things that the Bible teaches, uh, talks about and teaches us, and Peter really addresses this, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse, nine, uh, verse 8, let's just turn there quick, 1 Peter 5, 8. What he teaches us is, uh, again, he, he's really going through these life lessons as the church and, and important lessons, and he doesn't throw this out because it's absolutely essential in the life of a believer. And he says this in verse 8 of chapter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Two things stick out to me. Number one is that we need to be well-balanced, self-disciplined. We need to be alert and cautious at all times. That's what he's saying. Be sober and vigilant. Uh, don't be stupid. Come on, don't be ignorant is what he's saying. Is don't be, you have to be cautious. But then the other thing that sticks out that really I take seriously, and that is seeking whom he may devour. Looking for someone to devour. People. He's after people. He's after people. He's not going to destroy the plants. He's not going to destroy buildings. How many know the devil wants to destroy people? Right? It's not a joke. And so I think a lot of people, whatever. But, you know, and one of the things we also take seriously as part of the great commission that we as believers that Jesus gave us, right, is what? Is to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and to cast out demons. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's got a demon is possessed and we just need to go around casting them out and we're the, you know, the largest exorcism, you know, organization in the world. No. What it means is, is that it's real, it's out there, and those who don't know the Lord are subject to that at any time. And so there are people that are oppressed and possessed by the, by the devil, but aren't you glad that we serve a God that sets us free? He opens the prison doors. He, he sets, uh, sets bondages free, people in bondage. Amen. Loosens the, the hold of the devil. Amen. And, and so when I came to the Lord and got baptized, what's one, one of the things I first realized is that I'm free from any bondage of the devil. Amen. Anybody? Amen. How many of you were growing up ever since you were a little kid, just absolute fear of the dark, fear of, uh, you know, that kind of thing? How many know we come to the Lord? He sets us free from those things. Amen. I'm so glad about that. But you know, it's funny. I have to say don't take it as a joke because I think there's three approaches that we have. When it comes to scriptures like resist the devil and he will flee or when we talk about in Revelation or in Daniel and it talks about uh, the devil and, and certain scriptures even that Jesus addresses about the devil and Satan himself. Uh, three approaches. Let me just go over three approaches and I want to address kind of these three things. I think that we have three typical approaches when we talk about the devil, especially when it comes to Christians. Number one, we have a careless indifference. I believe that people don't take it seriously. They act like it's no big deal. Uh, it's really kind of kid stuff. You know, it's like, eh, you know, it's not really that important. I mean, it's, you know, so there's this careless indifference that we have. And uh, how many know that careless indifference can, can get you in trouble sometimes, right? But, uh, and, and, and one of the things, the observations that I've made over the years, it's funny how people will celebrate Halloween but feel very uncomfortable preaching on hell. I, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to me. Oh, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about hell. Let's talk about the, But let's talk about the, the, the latest zombie TV show and theme it, right? Come on, right? And I saw that, you know, uh, whatever. So I think that's, in, you know, I, I kind of noticed that, that we have this careless indifference. 
Uh, years ago, I'll never forget, I uh, took a video camera out on the street and I did some interviews and I just random people that were walking down Pine Street because that's where I was and, and I just remember asking them about uh, Halloween. It was about that time. And uh, I would say that everyone answered kind of the same question the same way. Um, you know, I just threw it out there. Hey, what about Halloween? And then, oh, it's fun. It's about dressing up. And all of them said this. It's about kids, candy, and costumes, right? In that way. I didn't, I just made that up. I didn't mean to put it in that order. But, you know, it was just that way. It was like, hey, no, it's not. There's not about demons and witches. And, you know, it's not about that. It's, it's really about, you know, candy. And it's about dressing up and it's about you know having fun right and everything and I thought that was very interesting because that one person who but if I talked to Christians who used to be involved in that kind of behavior and that kind of lifestyle and that activity before they were saved they're like oh yeah it's about it's not about candy and it's not about costumes it's about fun for kids right it's about something totally different and it's totally two different viewpoints that you have. And I believe it's because people have this careless indifference about things when it comes to the, the, you know, the supernatural and about uh, darkness and, and evil, right? And about the devil. But this, this careless indifference comes from, this careless uh, indifference really comes from three things I thought about. Number one, ignorance, right? You're just ignorant, right? You just, you don't know. You're just, I don't know. You know, I didn't know. I, I had no idea, right? I had no idea this was a big deal. Uh, you're just ignorant. And some people, are stupid on purpose. They don't want to know. They want to stay ignorant. They want to whatever. The second thing is, is because, uh, not just because of ignorance, but careless indifference comes from involvement. So some people I've noticed that are so steeped in culture, so steeped in kind of worldly things and really want to be up on culture and involved and, and really want to kind of just, you know, just I want to be so relevant. Um, they really don't, they would avoid the issue. They don't want to talk about it. They want to address it. They kind of, there's this careless indifference that just let's make light of it. Well, I think you're making a big deal out of it. I think you're, you know, you're making rules about non-essentials and, you know, you're getting religious about it. And so there's this involvement that some, some people have that they don't want to say it's wrong or right or I just don't want to do that. And so there's, there's indifference about certain things about the enemy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. And then the third thing I've seen is that people that actually just have inexperience. There's inexperience. So Either you've never known anybody, you haven't been in yourself or don't have any idea, and you're not ministering to people, you don't know, you've never ministered to anybody that's been oppressed to the enemy uh, or the devil, anybody that's ever uh, suffered from this kind of lifestyle or been in, involved in that kind of lifestyle, uh, you just don't know, you have inexperience. And for those of us or people and Christians that actually have really walked with people, we know people, we personally experience things in our own life, amen, how many know? We know. this. It's not a joke. It's real, right? It's real. So there's that. We don't have that indifference. I don't. Uh, I really don't have that indifference about it. I don't, uh, I'm not careless about it. I, I know that, you know, you got, you got the candy and this and that and everything, but I, I know there's something behind it. I understand that. I'm just not, because I'm experienced in that. And, the, and so that careless indifference is one thing. So our second approach that I feel like a lot of uh, Christians or people have about the devil is this hyper superstition, right? This hyper suspicion that there's a devil behind uh, under every rock, right? In other words, there's, there's demons and everything. Like, did you guys see the wind? It just shifted. Oh, my gosh. There, there's, a, there's, there's like demons everywhere. I remember, got a, remember getting this call from this young man, and he just was freaking out, right? Back in the day when our city would have Mardi Gras, right? And, we had, and they had Mardi Gras for, for that weekend. And he was just so, I mean, he, he was flipping out. And I don't know if Brother Randy went with me in that one. I, you know, if anybody was kind of like, you know, whatever, I would take Brother Randy with me. I just knew that he was level-headed, and he could really walk me through it. And so i never forget. And this guy was, I mean, he was sweating, and he was like freaking out. Because there was like demons everywhere and there's been a release over the city. And so how many know there's just people that we can get hyper suspicious. We, you know, there's everything is about, you know, whatever. I never forget hearing the story about a woman who, you know, uh, she had this, this dog and he uh, went to bathroom on the rug and now he has a pee demon. And it's just like, we got to cast it out. Like, pastor, you got to come over. We got to cast it out. I mean, you know, there's the hyper suspicion, right? This, okay, let's, a little, uh, little too extreme there. Okay. And any moment the devil's going to, you know, take over the world and, and you know, it's going to be bad. It's really going to be bad, right? 
And then I feel like there's this other approach. And Paul begins to walk us through. James walks us through. Peter talks about it. Jesus even talks about it. And that is this, this humble discernment. And that's what we need, don't we? We need discernment about it. We need humble discernment, especially today. I mean, you think like the world is like lost his mind. Like it's lost its mind. And everybody's like, freaking out, right? And everybody's the beast, right? And every four years, uh, maybe you're that type of Christian that you follow these people who, who uh, predict that every four years there's a new antichrist. How many ever know that? Every election, there's a new antichrist, right? And so, but I feel you need a humble discernment about it. I feel like whatever's happening in the world and whatever uh, is happening uh, in a, on a spiritual level, you need discernment about it. Can somebody say amen? How many know you need to walk in humble discernment? That's the third approach that we need here. And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, as you're talking, Pastor Matt, I, I just feel like this is all conspiracy. I mean, I, this is all like, you know, this, everybody's got this conspiracy. But let me just say this about the Bible. Amen. There's a few conspiracies in the Bible that actually worked out. <laughs> they're, actually, they're actually correct. <laughs> amen. How many know there's, there's some extremes in the Bible that actually are true? They actually worked out. They actually happened. They're actually going to happen. And so we, we, we have to separate. And then there's all, a lot of this is when we talk about, you know, darkness and the devil. Some of us, we just pass it over so quickly we don't realize that it is really a, a theological uh, point of view. There is a, a, a strong teaching on uh, darkness and evil and the devil in the scriptures, right? Do you ever all agree with that? If you read the Bible, you have to agree with that. And so we see that. And in fact, uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says at the end of this one sentence, he says, oh, by the way, we're not ignorant to the devil's devices. Like we understand. We have this discernment. Now, I'm not talking about getting weird, like, oh, I got to like, you know, call somebody and, and, and this prophetic. No, I'm talking about you just have to know what's going on, right? We have this humble discernment. And I would just want to throw this out to parents. It's very important that parents, you teach your children that sometimes there's no alternatives to the world. What do I mean by that? There's not a Christian version of everything. Sometimes we need to teach our children that we just don't do that. Anybody? Oh, no. And we're so popular for this, so famous for this as Christians. We want a Christian version for everything, right? It's like Barbie movie came out. Now we're going to have like this Christian version come out, right? We're going to do the thing. No. You know what I mean? We had all this. We had this zombie movie. Now we have this like the undead movie in the book of Acts. I mean, we're going to do this too. So how many know you got to teach your children sometimes this is not an alternative to everything. Sometimes we just don't do it. How many know there's not an alternative to doing drugs, a Christian version? There's not a Christian version of strip clubs. There's not a Christian version of Halloween. There's just not a Christian version to some things. So you got to teach your children that. We just don't do that, right? And so that's why I went to school without a costume that day because I just learned there's not a Christian alternative to everything. Oh, that was a good point. I, I felt that was important and as a parent because you, you have all these decisions to make. What do I do in this situation? And you just got to teach your children. Sometimes there's just not an alternative. Amen? And so this is what Paul is saying and teaches us and, and James begins to teach us is that sometimes there's just not an alternative. You've got to submit to God and resist the devil. There's just not a halfway in between. You've got to do one or the other. Amen? And so this is what he's saying. And one of the things we know is that the devil is a liar. The Bible says he's a father of lies. He's been a liar since the beginning. He will always be a liar, the Bible says. He's not getting saved. He's a great deceiver, right? Ever since the beginning, that's what they call him. And, and so how would he do that? And, and, and what, is, what does those words mean? Well, well, in order to be the greatest liar and deceiver, you, you, work, you have to work by principles and process, and you have to work by illusions, misdirection, distractions, diversions. That what, that's what makes some of these magicians so good is that it's not that the card really disappeared it's just that they did it so fast you didn't see it right or they you think you're looking at something but you're really not you it's actually something else so that's the way the enemy works and he's a master at illusions and misdirection and distractions and diversion and genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says that he was cunning of all the creatures he was the smartest of all the creatures in the garden think about it that's how god created him just so smart and so because he operates this way he operates at the highest level of lying he, the devil operates at the highest level of deception and manipulation
the highest level, the strongest level, the best level of lying. He operates in that level. And so if you don't take it seriously and, and you, just, you just have this indifference about the enemy, then, then you're not always going to understand things that are happening in our world. You're not going to understand some things that are happening in your life, come on, or in other people's lives when you're trying to minister to them. So I think that's important, don't you? Now, if someone was operating at this high level of deception, what would they have to do to convince somebody to listen to them, to go their way, or to, in this case, in the devil's case, bite the apple, <laughs> right? What would you have to do? Well, first of all, you would have to present it as common, fun, not, not dangerous, not evil. You'd have to, right? You'd have to present it as something for kids and colorful and in entertainment. It starts out as a cartoon. It's a joke. It's just a joke, right? It's just comedy. It's just, don't worry about it. It's just, I know people are eating each other, but it's just, just it's just for fun, right? And you have to pr present these things. And, and as, so that's what you would do, right? If you wanted to, 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 to manipulate a whole group of people, People, you had to, to make it entertainment and common and innocent and fun and childlike for people to receive it. And this is the reason I don't joke around about this stuff and make light of it is because I, I've seen it personally, witnessed it in people's lives and, and, and the force of it and the power of it and the destruction of it. And uh, so that's why I do take seriously what God does in people's lives and the deliverance and the healing power of Jesus Christ because I've seen it work in people's lives. Come on, somebody. Amen? And that's why. And so if, if you're a liar and you're a deceiver, you've got to make it fun and innocent and common and Oh, it's just no big deal. But then the other thing is you have to give people enough power to make it real. And that's the deceptive part of, of, of some of this occultism and witchcraft. And that's what people get into it. And they just get into crystals and all, all this stuff and, and everything because it, there's a power in it. Because there's this like a, a source of satisfaction and, and power. And so what you would have to do is you would have to empower people enough that they would think it was real and make it seem real. Yeah, you, I mean, there, I believe that there is power to bend spoons and levitate and all that. I, I do believe in that. The Bible says that in the last days, there's going to be evil manifestations. There's going to be signs and wonders that are, that are not right. Come on. That they're going to be working signs and wonders, right? Is that what it says about in the, in the last days, there are going to be people? It's, it's, it's not signs and wonders of the Lord, but it's signs and wonders. I actually witnessed personally, uh, you know, a, a palm reader, and she met these new people in the store, and she's like reading their mail. I mean, she's telling them, you just got divorced? Yeah, that's true. You just bought a house? Yeah, that's true. So you can see the working of the enemy, right? And so that's, that's the way it happens. And so one of the things we have to see is you give enough power to people that, that makes it real. I feel like there's just a few things I want to uh, mention here today is some myths that we as Christians struggle with. And maybe you've struggled with these, but I want to clear the air today about some myths about our adversary. And as it says to resist him, and let's talk about ba basically education and, and, and educating ourselves in how we can uh, really resist the best to our ability. Amen. But we have to tear down myths and things that we believe. So I, I just wrote down some myths that we struggle with as Christians. Number one, the myth of op opposites, right? The myth of opposites. Uh, if I was to ask everybody in this room, what is the opposite of God, I would assume that 99% of people would say Satan. That's incorrect. <laughs> That's incorrect. Is that right? In fact, the counterpart to Satan is the angel, Mar uh, Michael, the archangel. That's his opposite, right? It's not, it's not, Satan is not God's opposite. Hello? If you even believe that there is a fight between God and, and the devil, I mean, that's, I mean that, that's bad theology right there. I mean, you, you're on the wrong track to begin with. Right library, wrong uh, aisle. I don't know. You're, just, you're, you're close, but it's, it's not the Lord. And, and so we, we feel that the devil is the opposite of God. It's not. The devil is not the opposite of God. That's wrong because Satan's opposite really is that archangel. He's an angel himself. And they, they fought in Daniel. We see that. But Satan cannot be God's opposite because God created him. God created him. He's a created being by God. Satan is a creature not equal to the creator. That's like you putting together a Lego car and then saying, this is my opposite. This is my enemy. We're at war. Okay? 
Really? An apple pie. That's my enemy. We're opposite. That's my equal. That's my enemy. You created it. You made it. Are you kidding me? Can't be your opposite, right? Amen. See, and I believe the Bible teaches we respect the, uh, the devil as an enemy, but we do not fear him. We don't have to fear him. He's a created being. He's not the opposite of God. Come on, somebody. How many know God stands all by himself? He doesn't struggle with anybody, any being, or anything. He just doesn't, right? I mean, he just has to, he just has to blow on something and it becomes alive. I mean, that's God. Amen. He just speaks and you got planets and galaxies and universe. I mean, come on, he's God. He doesn't have this fight that he's doing. The myth of opposite. Number two, the myth of oversight. That we believe that Satan is the ruler of hell. So uh, cartoons that you've seen and movies and everything, you go down hell, there he is. He's got the horns, tail, pitchfork and everything. But the Bible says that he is not the ruler of hell. Jesus has the keys of hell, death, and the grave. Think about it. So he is not the ruler of hell. He doesn't even have power. He has no power in hell. In fact, the Bible says that when it's all said and done, he's going to be cast into a bottomless pit in hell. He's condemned to hell. He doesn't live there. He's condemned to hell. Can somebody say amen? So, so this is the myth of oversight. The Bible never calls the devil an it, only he, because he's a created being. And so it's not a, a, a word that describes all the evil in the world. It describes a person or a being, right? And so because he is a being created by God, he has a mind, he has a heart, a will, he has thoughts, ideas, motives. Is that right? Is that right? So Jesus said that he is the prince of this world. That's why when Jesus was tempted by him in Matthew chapter 4, uh, that's why the Satan could offer Jesus all the kingdoms of this world. Because he is the lowercase g, God of this world. Right? So he doesn't live. He's, he's roaming. Where is he roaming about? In the earth. He's roaming in the, in the unseen realm, in the earth. He's, he's locked here until the end of time, the Bible says. And so the myth of oversight. The myth number three of outcome. The myth of outcome. And we, we, there's a myth that we have to fight for victory. In other words, we've got to continue to fight. It's not won yet. It's, there's this battle still going on. It's, it's, un, it's, it's unfinished. I mean, God's struggling with this thing. How do we know through Jesus Christ, it's already won? We don't fight for victory, but from victory, amen, from a place of victory, amen. And the Lord allows us to take on the whole armor of God to continue to fight, amen, the force of darkness. Why? That we can see it ourselves. It's already been settled that we can win the battle over again and again and remind the enemy again and again and again and declare again what's already been established when Jesus died on the cross. It's, it's done. Amen. So he's already defeated, and the Bible says that. Now, I want to just say this, that there's only two sources of spiritual power. Only two sources. So there are two sources of spiritual power, God and Satan. Satan, But here's the thing, the kicker about Satan is that he only has power that God allows him to have. Many people think he can do what he wants. He can't do what he wants. He can't. He's a created being. He can't do what he wants. Anybody? Oh, he, can just, he can just wreak havoc in anybody's life. No, he can't. He's bound. He, he's controlled by God. God only gives him permission, only allows him. The Bible says that he's allowed to roam the earth. I mean, he, and even in the, uh, the eschatology, if you read it, and kind of the more the end times type teaching is, is that there's going to be a time that he's going to be releasing the earth, and he's going to do this and this and this, and some people say that's now, or it was, or is now, or will be, and however, or whatever, amen, we believe that Amen, that Jesus Christ has already won the battle. Amen, won the fight. He can't do what he wants. He can't do what he wants. God only gives him permission. Amen. And so the myth of, uh, the fourth thing is the myth of opposition or that we as people fight against wicked people. So we know that. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers and wickedness and high places, right? Come on. We don't fight against wicked people. Well, well, man, I'm just going to go up and I'm just going to like, you know, we don't do that, right? So that's the myth of opposition that somehow that we are, if we, if we you know, either win people over or if we win an argument or we see them die <laughs> or defeated or imprisoned and somehow we won, well, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. And fifthly, I mean, the myth of ordinary. And that is uh, the belief and understanding, or the myth that witchcraft is an urban legend. 
that somehow it's just this weird, you know, thing. It's for ancient whatever. And I mean, it's just a game, right? You just go to Walmart and get the Harry Potter book of spells. I mean, you know, it's not a big deal, right? Uh, and, and this is a myth. This is something that, that the enemy can use and the door that he can come through is that if people, first of all, are careless and indifference about it, and then if they just believe that, it's just some type of urban legend. No, when you, before I really get into this, I know what you're thinking. I can, I can almost picture what you're thinking in the sense that when I say witchcraft, you're thinking of, of uh, whatever her name was, Samantha, whatever, from Bewitched, you know, the black cat and everything, and the little broom and the black cat and everything like that. And uh, most of that was created for television, by the way. Um, and uh, I freaked out when I saw, uh, when I was a kid and I saw, you know, the Wizard of Oz and I, I discovered, wow, she's, she's green. Um, one of the things is, is, so witchcraft is, is this, is, and I love what Derek Prince said about this. And he, he put it so plainly that witchcraft is the attempt to control people and make them do whatever you want to by use of every spirit except the Holy Spirit. Right? Any spirit which a person can use and manipulate can never be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. You cannot use and manipulate God the way you want him to come on, the way you want to and, and control people and, and hurt people that way. Witchcraft is Satan's realm. It really is, isn't it? Witchcraft is Satan's realm, and he excels in counterfeiting what God does. When Moses performed the miracles before Pharaoh, uh, I believe it was four of those miracles that uh, they, Pharaoh had magicians do the exact same thing, Right? Did the exact, so how many know they can, he can counterfeit? He can, he's always trying to counterfeit. He's always trying to bring that, uh, kind of come behind and say, okay, I can do that too. But th that's part of witchcraft is this counterfeit of the real, this counterfeit of God's power. And so people, I've known actually Christ, Christians who, and heard of Christians who actually get into this, whatever they call it, white magic or whatever, where they're doing all this manipulative thing, but they're doing it through scripture and meditation and the spirit is, so the spirit of the Lord is somehow enabling them. But how many know that's, that can't happen? It just can't happen. And any practice that dabbles in a power source other than the Lord Jesus Christ is witchcraft. So if you dabble in this power and you're trying to like, control people's mind and all this other stuff, let me just throw this out real quick. I want to throw this out. I don't want to spend time in it, but I do need to throw this out. I just want to throw this out, <laughs> that if anybody professes to be a Christian who professes to be a witch or a warlock, obviously it's not of the Lord, but if anybody professes to be a seer, that's not of the Lord. Ooh, it got quiet in here. Amen. I know churches that make this big deal about, I got a seer anointing. I'm the seer. I'm your seer. Listen, if anybody says, I want to be your seer, you need to go like quickly, immediately, run, do something, turn it off, you know, block them, do something, you know. Amen. How many know there's only one seer and that's the Holy Ghost? Hello, I said there's only one seer and that's the Holy Ghost, amen. And this whole thing about predicting every month for Christians and, and giving these forecasts and all this stuff, we just need to be careful. I said, we need to be careful. And so if you got somebody in your life that they call themselves a seer, they're a Christian, please be careful what they say. Most of the time, a seer will always bring you to themselves, that they are the ones that you need to hear from. They are the ones that you need to count on. And nothing in your life can happen good in your life can happen without their approval of it. So be careful of anyone who calls himself a seer. I need to say that. All right. Amen. But you know what? We uh, have to say this in Galatians chapter 5. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. That's what it says, doesn't it? It says it's a work of the flesh, doesn't it? It says it's just it's part of our old lower nature. We want to control, manipulate. We want to do those things. And so witchcraft also promises spirituality, but it only leads to emptiness and death. So the last thing is the myth of oppression. The myth of oppression. Why do you say it's a myth? Because I think a lot of people have this myth and uh, uh, misdirection and misunderstanding that somehow at any moment, you know, you can be possessed and you can be, you know, the devil can just, anytime he wants. How many know there's no angel, no demon will violate your will? Hello. No, no, it just can't happen. It's just not going to happen. God created you as a human. You have a will. You have your own will and choices, and God put that in you so that what? We'll choose him 
voluntarily, that we'll want to choose to be saved, that we'll want to choose to believe in Jesus, the Son of the living God. Come on, somebody. Amen. So God put that in us, and so that is our will. And there's what the Bible teaches is this law of possession, that the only way that can happen is if you turn your will over, if you uh, give it permission, you open up to it, you submit to it. Many people say, and I've heard the argument about uh, Judas Iscariot. Well, he was a disciple, and yet he was possessed by the devil. If you read your Bible correctly, you'll see that he definitely opened up to that spirit. Hello, anybody? All right, we don't have time to get into that. That's going to be another lesson on the disciples. All right. And so the thing I want to, uh, we talked about the myths, but I want to talk about keep the door closed, right? We got to keep the door closed. Notice in James chapter four, verse seven, what does he say? Submit to God, resist the devil, and what is he going to do? He's going to run from you. He's going to run from you. Everybody's like, ooh, that sounds, no. He's going to run from you. He flees from you. That's not like he goes stands over in the corner. No, he runs from you. Anybody? Right? So he, we, that's what happens. We close the door. We resist. That means to stand against. Yes, it does. To stand against uh, the tactics of the enemy, the temptations of the enemy. But, but also, it means that we do the counterpart. We stand for something. We stand firm in something. And we stand on something. Come on. How many know we stand on the name of Jesus? We stand on the authority of Scripture. We stand on the precious blood of Jesus. Anybody? Amen. And we come against all forces of darkness. Amen. In the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. And that's what it means to resist. It doesn't mean I go to the grocery store. It's like, I can't look. I can't look. I can't look. Oh my gosh, there's demons everywhere. I'm resisting. No, that's not what it means. That simply means you walk into a place and all the garbage is going on. You're like, I'm walking in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm walking in the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah, right? Amen. Amen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil. Amen. I may walk through something like that, but I'm not afraid of it because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so there's, there's, we got to keep that door closed, amen. And, and notice this, that in 1 John 4, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And really what it means is we don't need to fear Satan's power, but we respect it and we stay away from it. Come on, we don't dabble with it. We don't get close to it and think, oh, well, I'm so spiritual, I can read tarot cards and not be affected, right? How many know you don't open the door to begin with? You just don't open the door. Anybody? Come on, you just don't open the door. Well, I'm just going to watch 100 horror movies, and I won't be, you know, afraid. How many know? I won't for me. Maybe it will for you, but not for me, right? I mean, if you do that, you're going to open yourself up to the spirit of fear. I don't know about you, but even to this day, I get freaked out if just a clip of The Exorcist is on. Just a commercial. I'm like, oh, my word. Like, that freaks me out. Come on, somebody. Amen? I don't want to receive that. I don't accept that. Now, maybe you're that type of Christian. You can do that. doesn't affect you. That's fine. That's great. You're strong. But how many know that's not for all of us? And that's not a practice to go around teaching people. Hey, watch about 10, right? And then, then it's okay. You're all right. Amen. But we need to, we respect it as that enemy. Amen. Knowing full well what he can do, but also knowing full well who we are in Christ. Amen. So I do believe that Satan can uh, wreak or create havoc and harm and destruction. And even in the lives of believers, he can, he can bring things, but only with God's permission, as we see in Job's life. Amen. I do believe that, that there, there is a trouble that he can cause, because he's always doing it, right, in people's lives. Amen. But listen, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no power that can defeat you. There is no power that can defeat you. We don't, we're not subject to any power except the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's flowing in our lives. And don't think for a moment that if you're born again that somehow you're just going to slip and be oppressed and possessed of the devil. Let me tell you something. It takes a lot of process to get there. Amen. Amen? Right. Just think, oh, well, I just did one bad thing and next thing you know, oh, the devil's in my in my mind. No. Amen. I believe that if you're a Christian, you are not subject. Uh, Jesus said that the, the devil has nothing in me. He can't touch me. There's nothing he can do. I mean, there's just absolutely no way 
he can touch my heart. This is no way, amen, because I'm in Jesus Christ. And so he can't defeat us, amen? He can't defeat us. And so we're overcomers, the Bible teaches us. And so we put on that whole armor of God. That's why it's important to do that. We open up to the Lord. We take on the whole armor of God so we can stand, the Bible says, against the enemy's schemes and tactics and devices. Do you know, um, as I'm just finishing up, this point, there's two books, really, that the devil hates. There's two books of the Bible that he can't stand. I mean, they're the worst. The worst of the worst for him. Number one, Genesis, Revelation. Genesis reveals his devices. Revelation reveals his doom. Come on, somebody, amen. And what he'll do is make it, make Genesis and Revelation a myth, a legend, and there's no real facts about it. Nobody can really prove it. You can't really get, you know, nail anything down there. Why? Because you want to believe it never happened. He wants us to believe it never happened. He wants us to believe that the very beginning promise that God made in the garden, amen, is that when Jesus, amen, was born, he was going to crush the head of the devil, amen. He wants us to know that. He didn't want us to know that we were called to rule and reign with the Lord and that God called us to multiply and replenish the earth and bless us, amen? He wants us to act like it never happened. He wants us to pretend like it's never gonna happen in the book of Revelation, amen, his doom and destruction. Come on, somebody, amen. Doesn't like those books. That's why it's important that we not just, not just believe in the book of Genesis, but believe in the book of Revelation, but we believe in all of it in between, Amen. Because it's all about the victory of Jesus. It's all about the overcoming power of the blood of Jesus. The Messiah that's come, he overcomes the, 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 the devil. Amen? Yes. Amen. And in the book of Revelation, it says this about a group of people who were noble and, and strong in the Lord. It says that they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen? Come on, Emily read that scripture, right? And so this is how we overcome in light of that scripture. We overcome the devil, not just by resisting, but we overcome when we testify personally to what the Bible says that the blood of Jesus has done for us. When you testify what the word of God says, what the blood of Jesus has done for you, you overcome the enemy, amen? Amen, isn't that what the Bible says? And so every time we sing about the blood, every time we sing about what Jesus did at Calvary or talk about it, and we read about it in scriptures, we're just reminding the enemy over and over again that we're overcomers in Christ Jesus. How many of that's the way we're going to keep the door closed? We're going to continue to remind and sing and pray and live and talk about, amen, what Jesus has done for us. Come on. Because only through him do we have this power. Only through him do we have overcoming power, amen. Delivering power is in Jesus. How many believe that? How many believe today that we're gonna, amen, we're, gonna, uh, we're not gonna open the door to the devil, but we're gonna open ourselves up to God, yes. amen? You believe that today? Amen, let's stand on our feet, amen. You know, I just mentioned it briefly, but I just wanna point this out. I do believe that it's so important so important that on a daily basis, you open up your life to Jesus Christ. So I've been a Christian. I've been doing this for a long time. Okay, make sure you're doing it every day. Intentionally, purposely, I'm opening my heart up to Jesus. I'm opening my mind up to the Lord right now. I don't know if you've ever been tormented with thoughts and thoughts of fear or just thoughts and you've just been tormented in your mind. You might have to do what I did, amen, as a young man. And it sounds crazy, but it worked for me. But I remember just going in my room and just reading the Bible, and I love the scriptures, love just what the Bible says about who I am in Christ and what Jesus has done for me. But you know, I said, you know, sometimes I'm kind of really struggling with just getting it up here, you know? How many have ever done that? Just right here. I just need... And then I said, and so what I do is I walk around, amen, the, my room with my Bible on top of my head. I literally would do that. I said, Lord, let, help my mind get this thing. I want to understand it. I want to get it. I want, I want to just fill my mind, cleanse my mind, Lord, of, and, and just, just to, maybe the torment that comes to the enemy, amen, Lord, and, and so I saw the Lord do a work in my life, and so that was great, and I said, Lord, I want you to do more, so I'd walk around with the Bible on my chest, amen, with the open Bible, and I'd open it up, and I said, Lord, I want this to get my heart, I want, I want the Bible and my heart to be like, like, like uh, you know, material where it's interwoven together. It's just so tight, Lord. I just, I'm not gonna just, I gotta, I can't go a whole day without reading your Bible. I can't, with the word, I can't, I can't just live my life any old way. I've got to have your word in my heart. And so you may have to do that 
But nevertheless, I want to encourage you, open yourself up to God. Be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life and around you. And just, just be so sensitive to what God is doing in your life. Don't be indifferent about the Lord. Don't be indifferent and careless about what the Bible says and what God is doing in your life. Amen. Pay attention to that. Give your will to the Lord. Give God permission to come in. Open yourself up to him. Submit to God, the Bible says. Yield to the Spirit of the Lord. Yield to the Lord. Well, I'm afraid if I yield to the Lord, I'm going to get so crazy and radical that I'll forget of everything else and I'll just want to serve him all the time. That's the idea. That's the idea that we're his and he is ours and we're so engulfed in him and he's so engulfed in us and that we are so about his business, amen, that we can't help but live for the Lord, amen, so that when temptation comes and tests comes and the enemy comes around, amen, he's not going to be able to come in. The door's closed because we're open to God, amen. And so the Lord wants you to come to him voluntarily, voluntarily and willingly this morning. Amen. I want to read the scripture again, James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Double-minded. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The King James said he will exalt you. He will lift you up. There's three things I just want to leave with you today about this. Number one, God gives you grace. He gives grace. How many are thankful for that? What is that from the Lord? That's empowerment. He empowers you. He gives you the grace to walk through difficult things, scary things, uh, things that are temptations. He gives you the empowerment, the grace. He empowers you to do it. How many have just recently felt the empowerment of Jesus Christ? This is the grace of the Lord in your life. Grow in that grace, as Paul said. Keep moving in that grace. Keep walking in that empowerment of the Lord. Amen. To overcome fear and anxiety and sickness and disease and everything that the devil will throw at you, right? Gives grace. Number two, God draws near to you. I love that part. Draw near to God and he'll what? Draw near to you. Lean into God and he'll lean into you. Amen. He'll draw. That, that, that's his presence. That's his ever-present help in time of need. That's his presence. And when I even speak his name, he's right there. When I go through times of I'm just anxious or I'm fearful, I don't know what to do, he's right there. Even when I fall and make mistakes or I, I fall short, he's right there. He'll draw near to you. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Draw near to God and he'll what? Draw near to you. You, there's no way that you can come before the Lord and he'll not be there. He'll not be there. Come on, somebody. Amen, if you're a Christian. And the third thing I just wanted to encourage you is that he what lifts you up. He lifts you up. He strengthens you. Not to a place of worship and exaltation. That's not what this word means. This means that he lifts you from a low place to a better place. From an unhealthy place to a healthy place. From a place of brokenness to a place of healing and wholeness in Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad that if we humble ourselves, the Bible says that he will what? Lift us up. He will strengthen us. He'll empower us. His presence is there. He'll strengthen us. And I love this scripture in the book of Revelation. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will open to me, I'm going to come in. I'm going to get in the living room. We're, I'm going to be yours. You're going to be mine. We're going to know each other. There's going to be intimate fellowship today. Amen. Come on, don't open the door to the devil, but open up to God today.